This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 109. Today on our show, Master Provisions. Our, our mission partner tries not to um, distribute any shorts because specifically in Tegucigalpa, there is a lot of gang-related activity that happens oh. with people wearing shorts. So it's almost like a, a thing <laughs> that they're wearing, these gangs are wearing. And so we separate out all the shorts. Master Provisions is a nonprofit that helps groups in other countries by connecting them with resources that they need. That could be anything from clothing to construction materials and everything in between. Guy Domic is our operations manager, and he tells us how it all got started, how to keep the various projects they are working on organized, the skill set involved in expertly packing a shipping container, how they get it all overseas to its final destination, and more. If you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo using podcast at cincyshirts.com, and you can just chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now, let's talk to Guy Domek of Master Provisions. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I-Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm in Cincinnati. Master Provisions. Yes. Yes. You, so you guys reached out to us. You, we have a love of clothing, it turns out. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and Guy is here and Victoria is joining, but she's just going to observe, it looks like. <laughs> but you can chip in if you like. Okay. Um, so, uh, well, for the layperson, uh, d- what is Master Provisions about? So the quick... Five second spiel is that we serve God by connecting resources to needs. Um, we do that with clothing, we do that with food, uh, and really what we've discovered is there's a lot of different resources out there that people need, not just food and clothing, um, but even warehouse space, cooler space, uh, an wow. opportunity to volunteer, um, trucking, trailer space. So we just try to take what we've been given and see how it fits in our community and even overseas as well. So we're doing that every day. How, what, do we, what do we have? How can we help people? And it's been around for quite a while. We started in 94, so this is our 26th year this year. So last year was a lot of fun. We celebrated 20, 25 years and had some some big events and parties and things like that that we did. And so, um, so yeah, it's 20, 26 years, and we started in Ukraine. Um, the way that it kind of formed was through a Bible study. There was a guy who um, actually owned some farmland over there, and our current president now is a part of that Bible study. And um, apparently Ukraine has some of the richest farmland in the world. And so as they were uh, cultivating the, the, the farm and working on it, they just discovered that there was a huge need for clothing. Um, people were sh- showing up every day in the same um, you know, clothing, and uh, so they put together as much clothing as they could. They packed it up in bags and uh, loaded a, a huge shipping container, sent it over there. And it showed up, and they didn't have great connections. They just had the farm. And uh, so they, they gave it away, gave it to people, and then it kind of ended up everywhere. You know, there was no real strategy about exactly where it was going. And so they discovered, man, you get, if you want to really help people, you got to have relationships. And so they started to form some really key relationships. Now uh, they help to run an orphan an orphanage over there. We, we call it Orphan Care. It's part of our program as well here. And um, 
And so uh, they now distribute, or they did distribute clothing uh, to thrift shops, um, and then just any any anybody who needed clothing, if they had a relationship, could find the right place for it. They did that. So, uh, so that's where it started. Um, it continues to. We continue to ship containers. We've shipped almost 600 containers to over 20 different countries, and all through partnerships now, all through direct relationships with other organizations who are doing great work in their countries. Um, a lot of challenges there. A lot of really difficult things that come up when you're trying to ship something overseas. Um, a lot of um, you know interesting taxes and fees that come up when you when you actually even for donations. Well, absolutely, um, because it's all going into a country as they at their port are oh. trying to work through different um, you know quote unquote fees or different payouts that have to happen um, to get those into country and so you got to find the right person that can actually get it in there and sometimes it's just um, knowing people who kind of have a great business mindset and are, are able to really work those different relationships that they have to get them uh, on the ground there so We've got some great partners who, who do that. Um, currently, we're working on a container that we're, we're shipping to Togo, West Africa, um, and it isn't even clothing. It's primarily a barn building material. So we uh, have a partner over there who runs a farm. It's called Muwuto Farm, which means God's farm. And... Um, They've got a bulldozer, a tractor, different, uh, you know, equipment that they just need to be able to store. And uh, so we've got some folks here in country who are willing to uh, get everything onto a container, all the pieces of a barn, and then we're, we're shipping it over there and building it uh, in June. So, so is this stuff coming from Cincinnati or do you resource it from other parts of the country? As far as the, the barn the, building? For, yeah. Yeah. It's primarily coming from Kentucky area. We're, we're based out of northern Kentucky. Yeah. So, yeah. But how do you get it from northern Kentucky? To Africa. Yeah, great question. So it's all on shipping containers. So um, we load a 40-foot shipping container, which is go, goes on the back of a semi-truck. It's just oh, okay. huge. Um, and they, they sit. It's like a box that sits on top of a chassis. Yeah. And uh, so we'll take that box. Uh, we've got semi-drivers who will take that right down to... Um, to uh, Cincinnati here at the at the rail yard, and they just have a huge crane, pull it off, put it on a train, and uh, then that goes straight to a port somewhere in our country, depending on where it's going. Actually, overseas, usually Virginia or something like that, if it's going to Togo, and that'll get on a ship. Those massive ships that just carry containers on them, and then. Um, It'll end up in a port over in Togo, and then they, on their end, our partners have to figure out how, how do they get it back to their farm. And so uh, there's some pretty interesting, creative ways sometimes how they get that stuff to where it needs to go. But, um, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's how that process works. And what we do is we try to utilize that space, the container space, as much as possible. So you pay. It's, it's kind of like the old... Um, uh, post office commercial if it fits it ships right so yeah, you yeah. just fill it up as best you can and uh, so we try to leave no air pockets in there so we'll put not just the farm equipment and the supplies for the barn but also tools and um, clothing we'll just kind of fill it with clothing so that they can help their folks um, Togo is a unique really unique partner that we have where they're they're trying to help as many people as possible in as many different ways as possible and so they're going uh, the agricultural route where they're creating farms and jobs with that and, and actually creating jobs to not just farm but also sell some of the product or the produce that they're that they're growing and then uh, they're also starting sh uh, sewing clinics where they're training women how to sew and then they uh, they've also landed some contracts with some major hotels over there where they're sewing all the pillows for those hotels so those ladies have a job and are able to continue to provide for their family so any way that we can be creative we're trying to do that with those partners. So, yeah. And have you been overseas to uh, facilitate any of this stuff, or once it leaves in the shipping container, you guys are kind of like, 
it, it, it's picked up by your partners or how's that work? Great question. So a couple of different things. I've been to Honduras, one of our partners there, and seen what they do. Uh, similar process on, on their end. And then we we actually host and try to coordinate uh, mission trips every year to visit our, our different partners. Oh, okay. um, and so it may not be me necessarily, but someone on our team is leading a group of folks who are going over to help, whether it's build a a barn, install a well, um, help distribute some of the clothing that we've we've sent over there. Um, it just depends, but yeah, we'll go over. We love having folks. We, we want more people to go and see what we're doing. It's it's amazing, and when you're able to kind of get outside uh, the American culture and really see what um, what needs look like, it's pretty eye opening. Um, Especially places that aren't like first world. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I believe Honduras is the second, um, one of the, maybe not the second poorest country, but certainly one of the, um, the poor countries and, you know, the devastation and just what you see, um, which is daily life for them would be unheard of here, you know, and, and the needs that are, are great over there. So, so yeah, we're, we're helping out. We're going over where we can. Um, a lot of what I do is just kind of coordinate, get everything into the container and then, um, get, get kind of reports as they come back. But, um, but yeah, we got to make sure we go over there and, and, and see it all. So, like, when you personally go on a trip or vacation, are you really good at packing the car now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm an expert at Tetris. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, but yeah, some of that, <laughs> some of those same ideas uh, carry over. Yeah, I mean, it is literally. Um, we joke that uh, that our, our partners don't need American air, right? They've got oxygen in their area, yeah. so we try to fill that whole thing up with uh, with as much um, as much clothing and materials as possible because it is so impactful for those folks. So, um, so yeah, I'm getting better. My wife, my wife appreciates that for sure, that I could pack a, a, a trunk a little bit better than I may have before. So, but, so um, with, with Ukraine, I guess mm-hmm. you guys first went over there when really not far long after the fall of the Berlin wall. Yes. Correct. And, and I don't even, when, I can't remember when the Soviet union broke up. Now you yeah. or two shortly so thereafter. That was a, a, a real reason why we were over there. Inflation was so high at the time. And um, so, you know, I don't remember what exactly it was, but, you know, a dollar was worth nothing basically anymore. And um, and so there was just a huge need. So, yeah, we, we wanted to go over there and help out um, and, uh, and, and see what we could do because there was just such devastation. And even now in Ukraine, we can't send containers over anymore because of the corruption and everything that's going on over there. Um, we do a different program there right now where we're actually working with that orphanage that I mentioned earlier and trying to help um, support some of the kids that are there. So we have folks here stateside who help donate funding for those kids so that they can get whatever needs they have and to support the orphanage itself. So we do that um, in uh, Ukraine and Togo and in Honduras and Guatemala as well. Where we're having kind of a partnership similar to some other organizations that sponsor a child, but we're sp- trying to sponsor the organization to help those children. And why was Ukraine chosen? Was it like a Bob Geldof thing? He's watching the BBC and he sees right. kids starving in Africa and goes, we've got to do something. Is that right. like that? Or did it, you know somebody that was... It was just the, di- the, the direct relationship with um, the farmer, the guy who was oh, actually okay. in the Bible study here in the States. He's an American. And oh, okay. He had that farmland over there. And so he was going back and forth oh. and just saw a great need for those folks and came back and said, we've got to do something. How do we do it? And so our, our president, like I said, was in that Bible study group. And um, he said, well, kind of hesitantly, I'll, I'll see what I can do to do it. He was working full time for, I believe, Cincinnati Bell at the time. And um, 
and he ran with it and just started to build and grow and we saw new opportunities. But yeah, it just took one person to really see a need and be influenced again through that relationship. That's what we see a lot of that, that relationships just really, really make a difference. And um, so, you know, we do a lot of stuff with clothing internationally, but locally we, we do food partnerships um, to help provide food to other nonprofits in our area. We kind of act like a nonprofit, nonprofit distribution center and it all flows through relationships where we learn about what they're doing, the people that they're they're loving on and trying to help. And how, how can we get more involved? What can we do to help? Is this food more, more um, appropriate? You know, do you need things that are uh, more for someone that might be in a homeless situation where they can pop a top on a can or can they take fresh produce and meats and things like that. And so, but it's all surrounded around relationships. We believe that to be so important. And so that's where it started and that's what we've continued to, to help do. Um, and uh, how many countries have you shipped stuff to so far? Over 20 different countries. Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 20 different countries. Some of those before my time, before I was even involved with master provisions, but currently I mentioned Togo, Honduras, um, Ghana, Burkina Faso. So a lot of, um, African countries there. Um, Last year, we sh shipped some over to um, Kosovo, another country in Eastern Europe. So, yep. so yeah, we're w whenever, and, and this isn't something that we go out and pursue. We just hear about a need, whether it's through another relationship, another organization. And if it's something that we can, we can help out with, we do. Um, uh, our partners are responsible for the payment of the containers so that they have some, you know, skin in the game. They're, they're, they're working to get that stuff over there. And so if those partners, if those potential leads, uh, are willing to put in the work to get something over, we'll, we'll put the contents in there. Um, not only do we see a need for clothing, but also just a place sometimes to kind of drop ship items. So our partners will uh, be able to order things on Amazon, say, and it would cost them a, a significant amount of money to have it shipped to their country. Oh, okay. They just ship it to our warehouse, and when we send that container overseas, we just throw it on there with them. Ah. So, yeah, so that's a huge benefit as well. Cool. Yeah. Did you ever lose any containers? I haven't lost a container. Okay. I had some get hung up every once in a while, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, um, doing trivia the other night, and uh, there was well, the question was um, about the thing container of Nike shoes that fell off the ship and floated all the way to the Oregon coast. And it was t and the, the question was supposed to be how many pairs of shoes washed up on the Oregon shore. Mm -hmm. It was a high-low question. It was a bonus mm -hmm. question. And it was like 24,000 pairs of shoes. Wow. And there was a, this book about um, – a container a contained among other things a bunch of rubber ducks and they went over the side and I bought the book for my dad and it turns out this is a common occurrence those ships lose one or two wow. containers per trip across really? yeah it's not uncommon to lose one or two containers and they stack them so high yes so the ducks went overboard <laughs> and this author tracked where the ducks went in the ocean and where okay. they all ended up and yeah so I was just curious if no, you guys ever we haven't lost one um, we've had we've had issues with them but never never just a, a you know one that disappeared off the side of a boat that would be incredible so how did you get involved with match provisions well I was actually working in a warehouse I worked for a small um, internet based store we sold toys and things online and we were kind of doing stuff um, at the time where we were learning a little bit about SEO optimization and um, uh, how do you get uh, higher up on Google probably some things that you know oh, yeah, a yeah. little bit about right yep and um, 
And so we had actually leased a portion of our warehouse to Master Provision. So I started to see what they were doing. I was involved in a high school ministry, helping out a little bit with some with some young adults. And I thought, man, that'd be really neat to work in a place like that, that help people in such a significant way. And I just kind of walked over and said, hey, do you guys need some help? I'd love to work here. And they said, well, yeah, you know, if you'd like to, let's do it. And so I started the fundraising process and kind of figured out how can I actually afford to do this. I had a small family at the time and um, just opened up a lot of doors and here I am. So I've been there for about 10 years now. Wow. Yeah. So, and we've grown significantly. We have our own warehouse now. Um, we've got almost, uh, almost 20,000 square feet in Florence and, uh, we just, we just keep things moving in there. I mean, it's, uh, that's, that's pretty big. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a lot of space. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that, that's where I started and, um, we've just seen things grow and fall off and it's, it's, it's been a neat experience for sure. Are, so. are you from the area? Pretty much. I was, uh, it's kind of a hard one for me to answer. I was born in New Orleans. Oh, okay. I moved up here when I was 10. So I oh, pretty okay. much everything that uh, I know is, is primarily up here, but my extended family's all down there. Oh, okay. So so we can't ask you what high school you went to. Yes, you can. And that would be? That was Boone. Boone, there you go. Yep. All Boone right. County High School, yep. yep. Or Boone so, County High School. All right. Northern Kentucky guy, yep. Um, still live live over there and uh, love the love the area for sure. So, um, so yeah, much more rewarding, I'm sure, than just a garden variety working for a internet, you know, uh, absolutely. store. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And even... Um, even during my time uh, working for Master Provisions, I had considered going off and um, teaching. So I was working on my education degree and, um, you know, kind of, I, I always wanted to impact people. I, I really thought that that was a great thing where I could create relationships, um, love people well, grow them, uh, help them. I thought school would be a great opportunity for that to teach kids. I was working on an elementary education degree and even at the same time, I just felt this kind of pull back to master provisions, you know, as an opportunity, not just to help people here locally, but really have an international impact. And so, um, so I stuck around, uh, continued to see it grow. And then, um, when we talk about resources, you know, I mentioned a lot about clothing and food, but we see even volunteering as an, as a resource, people want to volunteer. People want to make an impact in our community. Um, whether it's, you know, just a local impact, um, or an international impact. And so really taking that for me has been great to, uh, create relationships with volunteers, put in front of them a job or an opportunity to, you know, sort clothing, sort bread, whatever, put it in, in the hands of the right people um, has been impactful for me as well as I just continue to grow those relationships, build into people um, and, uh, and and see God really do some amazing things through, um, through us, you know, yeah, it's a big warehouse, but you look around, especially Northern Kentucky, it's a small warehouse compared to some of those yeah. that they're building, um, especially with like Amazon coming in and places like that. But, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 a, a really impactful place, and uh, it's it's been powerful for me to see it grow. And uh, is it primarily overseas, or do you help folks in the United States? Because as we're recording this, of course, folks in Nashville are dealing with right. a, a tornado that just hit this morning. Unbelievable! Yeah, that's devastating. Um, and so we we do a couple things. So. It's not just international. That is where we started. But locally, we do work to... 
to provide food resources for other nonprofits. So what we do is we open up our warehouse, we separate, organize different items. Anybody that are these organizations that need whatever item they'd like, they can grab it. We've got a about a 1,400 square foot freezer cooler, so we're able to house a significant amount of produce and different oh. protein. So those groups can come in and grab <coughs> what they need grab any canned goods, any dry foods, breads, anything that they like, and then take it out to their community. So that's what we do locally for other nonprofits. And then on the last Saturday of every month, we partner with Isaiah House Ministries, where we actually take two semi-trucks full of food that we've prepared, um, and we bring it all. One truck goes down to Covington, Kentucky, right there at the St. E facility on 7175, and um, we distribute as much food as we can, whatever the need is. And then we do the same thing at the same time in Ludlow, Kentucky. We bring another semi down there and, um, it's at the Ludlow Vets right there on Route 8, Route 8 in Ludlow. And um, any, any, any person, any individual, it uh, doesn't matter where they are, where they're from, uh, what their needs may be. If they have a need, we have volunteers there to help. Um, we typically see about 2,000 people um, that come out for that uh, to receive food. And then we average anywhere from 400 to 500 volunteers that come out and serve that day as well. So, um, the need is great. It really is uh, locally. And so we want to help with that. Now we don't, we don't go too far into the disaster relief. There's some other great organizations that do that really well. One off the top of my head that I can think of here locally is Matthew 25. Yeah. yeah yep. They do amazing. Always work. on the news. Yeah. And uh, PNG uh, with loads of hope. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. And they're doing awesome stuff and it's, we don't have the infrastructure for it. Yeah. Um, we're more than willing to support and help where we can <laughs> if we have stuff. I know uh, we've got a partner who actually just reached out to me got some family down in Tennessee and was asking if we had some water. I was like, yeah, actually we've got, you know, a couple skids of um, bottled water to start sending down there. So we'll, we'll do what we can, but it is not something that we are primarily focused in on. I mean, gosh, you look at PNG, Matthew 25, the infrastructure, the equipment that they have to be able to go and do that. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. We're not quite there. So um, so you have a rolling inventory of stuff in, in your warehouse. We do. So we, and, and it's a couple of different things. So we've got the food. It rolls in and rolls out every day, you know, and uh, anytime you're starting to, to deal with fresh produce, it takes a lot of work to, to manage that. And then, uh, Clothing is actually very similar. Um, we try not to let it sit for too long. We want it to roll through the place. But there's a couple things that happen um, with that. Primarily with food, it, it has an expiration date, right? right. All yeah, food yeah. expires at some point. And so we want to keep it moving. And so uh, in some cases, what we're receiving, it may be that um, we're, we're receiving it because it can't get to the store fast enough. And so it already has a, sh a shorter lifespan than it would if you okay. go to the grocery yeah. store, right? And so if we can't get it, get it out of our warehouse quick enough, we partner with local pig farmers. We donate oh. that product, product to those guys. We really, really try our best not to use a dumpster at all. You know, we're okay. trying to find a spot for everything that we receive. And so we work with some local pig farmers who always need more. You know, if, if anybody's listening that knows a pig farmer, we can always use more. But, um, but yeah, we want to try to f take whatever we've been given and really find a spot for it. Same thing with clothing. Um, you know, we see, and we, we were just talking this morning we see some of this um, really uh, fla flash fashion where there's these items that are really coming out quickly and seasons that, you know, fashions, fashion seasons tend to move very quickly. You know, they're not, you know, season longs anymore. They're more like a couple weeks 
And uh, so we have a real influx of clothing that's coming in and uh, we, you know, we want to get it in the hands of people that can actually use it. And so we process it and get it, get it overseas. But the stuff that we can't use, we, we actually go through, we have a very, um, not strict, but um, we try our best to communicate to folks what we actually want on the okay. on the inroad right what we want to send overseas and so you know we don't want things that are stained or torn ripped yeah. you know inappropriate language just you know we want to send a good message and so through that we're separating out a lot of what we call scrap material things that we cannot send and so we have a a really large it's essentially a cardboard baler you see at almost any grocery store yeah. yep. throw a clothing in it makes about a 1200, 1200 pound bale of clothing. Oh, okay. And we have companies that find value in that. They purchase it from us. So oh yeah. And they, they recycle it. They recycle it. Yeah. They, it's a, yeah. It's a huge <laughs> industry. Um, and, uh, so we've got some connections in Lexington and some other folks around the country, but, um, we, we position it for them to, you know, like you said, recycle it. They will produce, um, shop towel rags out of t-shirts. They'll oh, shred yeah. the denim, use it for insulation in homes, carpet padding. In some cases, they'll be able to resell some of the product. Um, but yeah, we're really trying to find a home for everything. So, um, so yeah, things are constantly moving in and out, trying to roll through it as best we can. We don't want anything to sit around. We, we try to get, you know, make stuff that people want to hold on to for a while. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. eventually a, a shirt will wear out. And yeah. uh, do you have like collection centers or how, do, how can people donate stuff? Uh, we just have our warehouse. So a lot okay. of folks just drop things off at our warehouse. Okay. Um, we partner with some churches. They'll do clothing drives for us, things like that. So we'll kind of have kind of these pop-up little opportunities for folks to donate. Um, but primarily we take it at our, at our warehouse. Part of what we were seeing, we used to go around to other thrift, thrift shops as they, you know, kind of either changed over their inventory or couldn't get rid of some of the product. We would go over there and, and pick up stuff from them, but the quality was so poor. We were almost just taking everything, sending it to the scrap baler because we couldn't even find value out of it. So again, what we're trying to do is not just send clothing overseas. We're trying to actually impact people's lives and make sure that when we're sending something, they see that it has value, that they can actually be proud to wear it. Um, and, uh, and from the front end, um, be able to have something that matters to them, that they can provide for their families. You know, we have a lot of kids clothing that goes overseas. Um, and we want it to be good stuff for people. Just like when we go to the store, we want to have good clothing to wear, right? You guys make yeah. some great shirts and people want to wear great t-shirts that have a great message on it. And so, uh, the same thing over there. They want to be able to wear great things. And so we do our best to make that happen. Do you send over any like technology kind of things, cell phones, radios, things like that? Yeah, we do. Um, all of our partners would be more than happy to receive any of those items. I mean, they have great value for them and what they're doing. Um, you know, cell phones are, are a hugely important thing for them, but also computer equipment. A lot of our partners are either in some form of education or just to be able to communicate. Would love to have um, some some computer gear. I know our partner okay. Togo just mentioned how he's trying to put together kind of a, a, a network inside of his ministry right now, and so he needs a computer for that. But yeah, we we always need um, technology. It's great stuff to send overseas. Yeah, I know the uh, BBC years ago had an initiative where they were trying to get cell phones to people so they mm -hmm. could listen to the BBC, among right. other things, but also just to like, stay informed, exactly. you know, even out. And uh, it's strange because places like Africa and the third world, you wouldn't think of, but a lot of people now have cell phones, at least. Well, they don't really have anything else, but at least they have cell phones. They really do. And, yeah. It's incredible. Even in my time um, in Honduras and some of these really remote villages, I mean, out in the middle of nowhere, they, they had cell phones. They were able to communicate, um, especially in an emergency. 
see. But um, it, yeah, it's it's amazing how you know some of that stuff can really infiltrate and get out there. Um, and so yeah, people people really need them. So so what's a typical day like for you going into master provisions? My days are crazy. <laughs> um, so a typical day we we open up, uh, have uh, staff members show up about eight a.m. We've got about. Um, Oh gosh, I think we're up to 11 full-time employees now at, uh, at the warehouse. And so, uh, those guys show up, we kind of put things together and every morning at 9am we do a morning meeting. So we get everything on a whiteboard. So from eight to nine, I'm kind of figuring out what I'm going to put up there and, um, we go over what's going to happen that day. Right? So we just have like you would for any business you're coming in, you want to know what's going to happen that day. Well, imagine not knowing your staff every day. So you've got volunteers coming in, you have no idea who's going to be there, how many people. And so we create just a, a quick, um, list of things on our, on our whiteboard. We go over, um, what appointments we have. So the different groups that are coming in to receive food, um, we list that up there. Usually we have anywhere from uh, 15 to 21 different groups every day coming in. We list that. We talk about the donations that may, we may receive that day. Go over that so everybody knows what's going on. We then talk about our culture, our vision, our mission statement, um, why we do what we do. And we go over a verse every uh, every week. And we talk about that Bible verse and how it might be impactful. And then we talk about our schedule for the week. What's going on in the warehouse? What are the things that you may not see sitting here today on a Tuesday that may be happening on a Thursday? Or even what are some upcoming events that we may may have going on? So so at nine from 9 to 9.30, I'm going through that meeting with the volunteers that come in, which is a unique challenge. It really is to, to not know your workforce. I was going to say, you probably have a different staff every day. Every that... day. Every oh, day wow. a different staff, right? We, we do have some employees that are actually yeah. on the payroll, but every day it's a different <laughs> staff. I don't know how many people are coming in. Um, and so right off the bat, it's a unique kind of look at how, do, how are we going to solve these problems today? What's going to happen with who may come in? And so at 9.30, we get to work. We start our, our, all those projects and get ready to receive those different organizations that are coming in at 10 a.m. So those guys come in at 10. So we're rolling with those guys at 10, get everybody moved through the facility, grab whatever food they need, volunteers help with that process. And then um, around 2 o'clock, we wrap up with that. And then in the afternoon, we prepare for the next day, do some of our uh, meetings that we may have, and then get ready for it all over again. So that's just the food side of things. Um, then we've got a whole other aspect of the clothing, uh, when we're separating and sorting all the clothing that I just mentioned, we're doing that with groups. So any group that would be interested in serving with us, uh, 10 or more people, we have a space within our warehouse. It's a nice large room where we are able to sort through all the product. And so as groups are interested to serve, we have to field those as well. So we try to prepare that as much as possible. We have an understanding of who is coming in and when. And, uh, and so we may have to manage that as well. So my day is, uh, to, to try to make sure nothing's falling apart, that the, the building isn't burning down or anything like that, and to make sure all those different projects are rolling at the same time. And we have a great staff, um, that just works so hard and does a great job con to continue to keep keep everything rolling. Um, and it's it's kind of like controlled chaos. It really is. I mean, we've got forklifts, pallet jacks, semi-trucks, uh, box trucks, you know, refrigerated space in our warehouse. Um, you know, there's thousands of pounds of food that are rolling through either as we receive it or distribute it. And so it's a, it's a busy, busy place in the mornings into the early afternoons for sure. So how many different projects are you working on at any one time? Like how many different countries and locations are gearing up to receive uh, yeah. a container? 
So um, we usually have about a, a six container goal every year. So we're trying to do that. So it's, it's okay. only being sent out, you know, um, you know, one every two, two months is, is about what we're working on. But it takes 35,000 pounds of clothing to fill a container. Wow. So that's a significant amount of work. And uh, you've got to get a lot of people in a like How many of those square bundles, is that, is that how, how is it done by box? Or is that just to give it's people actually, an idea of what 35,000 pounds of clothing is? Right. That's a great, uh, great question. So what we <coughs> use are large, um, imagine maybe double your kitchen size garbage bag. Double okay. Bag, okay. So it's about that size, maybe a little bit bigger. It's about 50 pounds of clothing when we finish it. And we, we have these bags custom made for us. Um, we pack them the best way that we can describe it. It needs to look like a really big hot dog when it's finished, right? So <laughs> just as much clothing in there as possible. And, um, and then we load about 600 of those on a container. So um, it, it's a lot of work. We get some football teams out there to help us load those containers because you're talking manually loading all of that stuff, getting as much air out as possible and putting as much clothing in those as possible. And then not only is it the clothing, I know I mentioned some of the agri other agricultural equipment, things like that, but we also almost always send boxes filled with shoes and belts and purses so that's a whole nother, um, you know, process to get those items ready. So the, the projects are consistent and constantly rolling. I mean, we are always doing things. We have um, groups that are set up on our schedule every week. So we work with a lot of special needs students. We've got a lot of great schools in Northern Kentucky who have some great programs for their, for their students. And again, we talk about resources here, not just being food and clothing, but even for those special needs students, it's an opportunity for them to get outside of the classroom a little bit, learn what it's like to be managed by another person? Uh, what does it look like to maybe have a project put before you and to complete that project? And so we've got some great uh, employees that help guide those projects as well. Um, and then even this year, we're looking forward to, uh, I'm sorry, it'll start in the, in the next semester, in the next school year. We're going to be working with a special needs student as an intern with us. Their goal right now is to work at Lowe's. That's his goal. He wants to, to be able to be employed at Lowe's. And so we'll get him in and we'll do our best to create opportunities for him to learn. How do you use a pallet jack? What does it mean to stack boxes on a pallet? What does it look like to shrink wrap a pallet? Just what we seem to believe would be a basic skill. We're trying to train him. Up to oh, you'd be surprised. Yeah, absolutely. I, I worked at the post office one Christmas, sure. mm -hmm. and I didn't had no idea mm -hmm. that you have to. You can only stack it so high. It's got to be stacked in a certain way. It's got to be stacked. So the, the center is um is you know isn't is everything's focused on that. It isn't right. heavy on one side. And then yeah, shrink wrapping it. Yeah, that's a, a skill you got to learn. Yeah, really and people is. you know don't realize that. Yeah, and so we're excited to help um, folks like that. And, uh, and and so that's a daily thing, a weekly project. Really, you know, every day we've got a different. Group Group of students coming in, uh, and, and it's on the schedule every week. So we work with uh, with that. We work with other other students that are in programs to help them um, uh, get out of a bad situation, bad you know maybe some bad decisions that they made in their lives, and they want to just get their GED. And so we're working with these students. They're part of another program, and they come in. And again, it's very similar. Come on in, serve, get outside of yourself for a little bit, uh, help some other people. And while you're doing that, let's learn how to what it looks like to listen to instruction. What, what does it look like to complete a task? How can we celebrate a little bit, right? When we do something, let's celebrate and talk about it. And so, um, so we always, so it's a lot of 
projects happening, but it's more than just the project. We really hope people leave impacted by their time there. Um, and so it's funny, the food, the clothing, they all, they all make a great impact on the, on the partners that we work with. But um, it's amazing the individual results that we see through people's lives and the stories that we hear about. Um, just as, as, as people have an opportunity to change, change lives. We just had a, um, a student, um, one of our special needs students. We, you know, we have a, Victoria manages our Facebook. She does a great job with that. And, uh, we took a picture of one of the students just smiling, having a great time. And, uh, his mom just commented on what, what master provisions means to his, his, uh, her, her son and the impact that's made in his life. And, you know, just the opportunity to kind of get out of a shell a little bit more work in a, in a, an environment that's different from home. And so we, we love those stories. We're excited to do that. We want to really make impactful, um, you know, touch points on people's lives that make a difference. What's like the most random thing you've ever received as a donation, but still were able to use? Like do people bring old lawnmowers or a four-wheeler and you think, well, actually, somebody probably could use that in one of the 20 countries that were. I'll give you a couple examples that just happened. Um, we received a, a huge concrete mixer. Oh. Uh, no, and we just stored it. We just put it away. No, no idea what. That'd we be did. handy. Yeah, we thought, oh, we'll just keep it. Well, sure enough, we come into this barn building project. Oh, there like, you go. Yeah, this would be perfect. We actually need this. Um, we actually received a huge donation recently from Am. Well, it wasn't that. It was probably a year ago from Amazon. They called us up and said, "Hey, we've got twelve hundred two by fours. Do you have any use for them?" And I said. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything, but we'll take them. We'll figure out yeah. uh, what we can possibly use it for. Again, this would be a huge thing now for this barn. They're going to yeah. take a ton of those. So um, what we do is we try our best to just say yes, whatever's coming our way, and just figure out what it could be used for. That's a part of my daily process is to take things as they're coming in and say, okay, how does this need to be used? Okay, God, why did you put this in here? Where can it go? What are the needs? And sometimes the answers don't happen right away, um, like a concrete mixer or a two-by, you know, a big bundle of two by fours, but we, we try to find a home for it eventually. So, and you're talking about Amazon donated that to you. Do uh, when you're in the actual shipping of things and things that do uh, any companies give you a break on the shipping and anything like that that chip in that way or not, not necessarily, especially internationally. That, that's really hard to uh, find the right organization. We've got some brokers that do great work for us and help us find the best rates, okay. and they understand what we do, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's been really helpful. But um, it, again, it all takes relationships. It's got you got to know the right person um, to be able to get something like that. So unfortunately, we don't get a break on that. And what's even which what's even more difficult right now is. Um, those prices are increasing. I mean, to ship things oh, yeah. overseas, it's getting more and more expensive. You know, when I started, it was you know three to four thousand dollars to send something to say Africa. Now it's like up there. what, like one container? One container. Yeah. yeah. Now it's upwards of six to seven thousand dollars. So it's just it's it's going up so much. Um, but we have some great partners here locally that help us. Uh, we really we work with a lot of nonprofits that have trucks and trailers, and they will coordinate with us okay. to help deliver some things for us. But a lot of times we're, we're going to the location, picking those things up on our own. Like I mentioned with those semis or those large box trucks. So, yeah. So have, the 10 years you've been there, have you seen like the needs changing or is it just dependent on the country or, I mean, where we are at in the world is, you know, do people need, is, is food more of a need in some places and clothing is more of a need in another or how, how is that? I think our um, the biggest change has really been on our clothing where um, I believe that 
just as a country, as a whole, we are producing so much clothing and a mm. lot of that ends up in Africa. Um, that's the need for clothing on their end has actually gone down. And so instead of us just sending, <coughs> and that's part of when I mentioned the quality, that's part of why we're so um, strategic about that and working so hard to make sure we send the quality over is because they're getting clothing. They're getting mm -hmm. something, right? Um, we want it to make a difference. We want it to be something that is impactful in their lives. And so that has been a in really interesting thing. Um, as I've looked at the past 10 years, you'd almost think that something like that would grow and increase. You know, there'd be more and more need as we kind of get out there. But um, we've seen that go down a little bit and the actual food needs here locally go up. Um, and so we've really seen... Um, a lot of nonprofits come in who are interested in partnering with us, many whom are, uh, they themselves are operating in poverty or on a very limited budget. And so to have an opportunity to receive some product, um, you know, if they even want to donate financially for it um, at a minimal cost to take to their uh, to their folks is a huge blessing for them. And we're reaching more and more rural counties. Um, more and more folks are willing to make the drive to come and pick up that product. Um, and so that has been a significant increase, especially as you, you know, you think here we are in the United States, one of the richest countries in the world, right? And there's just so much need in our community right here in greater Cincinnati. Um, and so uh, unfortunately that has, has grown a lot more than I would have expected or wanted it to, but um, we continue to receive the food and get it out there um, to those folks that need it. So. Do you have to like source a lot of things for different projects or do you have enough stuff coming in naturally that it, you're able to like, for the barn building project, did you think, oh, we need, I don't know, we need, we need a bandsaw to send mm -hmm. over there. Did, right. you, did you, you go to someone and say, hey, would you like to donate a bandsaw and you can write it off on your taxes? Yep, for that we did. We, oh, okay. For that project we did, yeah. We, we put together, so there's some great programs online where you could put kind of a wish list together. Send oh, it out. okay. And so again, Victoria did a great job on that uh, to create that list and send it out, put it on Facebook, get it out to everybody. And, um, allow folks to just chip away at that list for us just oh, donate um, and and you know we I think yesterday the FedEx truck pulled up and here we are pulling off you know saws and all kinds of stuff that were donated um, so something like that that that's a very specific project where we really need some things to, to get it done we'll, we'll go ahead and ask for it in fact you know we, we had so I believe Mac metals was the company that gave us a great discount on the metal that we needed for the um, for the barn, we had some other lumber donated from another organization, so uh, or at least a price a price cut. So there's a lot of that happening with when we need specific items. But typically on a normal project, we're just taking things in, we're just receiving it and trying to figure out not necessarily okay, um, we're we're doing this project and we're going to make it happen here. It's oh, okay, this came in here. Where could we possibly use it? That's really what we're doing. So like the clothing, it's okay. What's the next container that we're, we're setting up for it. And I mentioned our sorting process, you know, it's not just specifically um, the, the quality of the clothing, but also in some cases, what's the need or the, the requirements of the country. So for example, Honduras, um, they're small folks. They're just smaller people, you know? So yeah. we try not to send anything larger than an extra large shirt over there to those guys. So we're being very specific on that. The other interesting thing in, in Honduras specifically is our, our mission partner tries not to um, distribute any shorts because specifically in Tegucigalpa, there is a lot of gang-related activity that happens. Oh with people wearing shorts. So it's almost like a, 
um, you know, a, a, a thing that they're wearing, these gangs are wearing. And so we separate out all the shorts and don't send those to Honduras. We send them to a, a different country. So, wow. um, so again, trying to understand the yeah. needs of people overseas and even locally and trying to get it in the right hands of the right people. So, yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I know. Who would have thought knew? of that? Right, who knew? And in fact, we just had our one of our partners come, or uh, one of our staff members come back from Honduras. They just led a trip early, um, early February. And, uh, you know, the, the, it, I've been over to Honduras, but to ask folks about that, you know, the, specifically the short things, the, the short piece, it's just like, yeah, you're, yeah, people really weren't wearing shorts. That's kind of odd. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's obviously. And down by the climate. equator, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. It's very warm down there. Jeez. Um, and in, actually, when I was down there, I remember seeing almost everybody in long sleeve t shirts as well, just because the sun is so intense. Oh, there. okay. They're all, you know, so it's just a different. Culture, just completely different. Boy, so. it's bad enough being impoverished. You can't even wear shorts to right. be comfortable. Good grief. <laughs> so with the back to the barn thing, do you once that container arrives over in Togo, will they have everything they need? Or will they still need to source things locally? Will, will is there maybe another organization somewhere in the U.S. or another like Europe or something that's going to send them like you know fasteners or nails right, or whatever right. they need? We will put everything we need on that container. Okay, everything that we need to to, to go over there. We're we're trying to put together that list. So you it was it, could you imagine trying to build an entire barn and just getting all the pieces together, right? Yeah, so yeah. we think we're getting everything together that one of the guys that's leading the project used to build barns for a living. So obviously he's got keen insight on that, but, but yeah, we're trying to get everything together, uh, for that, for that, uh, that uh, project. Now we actually reached out to our partner over there and said, Hey, what, what, what would it look like if we, you know, say the concrete mixer, right? What if that thing breaks down? What's, what's the next opportunity? And, and he, oh. you know, he said, look, here's the deal. We can hire folks out for that. We can hire um, people to actually hand mix all the concrete and get in there. And, you know, we, we sat back and say, okay, well, what's, what do we need to budget for, for something like that? So oh, it's only $4 a day per person. That's wow. what they're paying them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, you know, um, the opportunities are just so minimal for those folks over there. So, um, so obviously we can put into our budget to hire some folks as well, um, to help, uh, complete the project. Oh, I uh, see. Yeah. On, on, on the site there in, in uh, Togo. So, so we'll hire some folks to help them and their families. And obviously we'll pay them more than four bucks a day, but, yeah. um, uh, but, uh, yeah, there's the, our partner over there has said that if we need something, there's a way to get it. But uh, we're trying to send it all over there, and we'll leave it all there. So all the tools, all those supplies, anything extra, we'll leave with them. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, so that they can continue to to, to take it, either re find another way to utilize it, or um, if it has value, if they need to sell it, or you know, create opportunities in other ways for their farm. They can do it. So or maybe build another barn. Exactly, build yeah. another barn. Right, right. Yeah. So, so and, and I guess uh, if the concrete mixer isn't completely necessary because they can mix, but but it'd be great to have that. Because <laughs> absolutely, yeah. right, absolutely. Um, and there's other things. I mean, you know, uh, nail gun obviously would be a lot easier than hammers and nails. You know, so it, there's just our you know what seems so simple and easy for us is a whole other challenge for them. You know, they have to do everything. Any powered 
driven things all has to be done on generators, you know, so they've got to get that stuff over there. So it's just, it's not like you just plug in your tools, like you're working on your backyard. Oh yeah. Shed, yeah. Right. I mean, it's just, you've got to really consider where you're going to be. Those guys, I mean, they're camping out on this property. I mean, this isn't like this farm is just in the middle or near a city. This is hours away from, um, f- from the main city. And so they, they, it's, it's a huge project. It's and they've got project. a resource stuff as far as getting it out from the dock all the way out into the hinterland. Right, yeah. right exactly. So they'll, um, you know, we, we just received the trusses for this project. So these, you know, huge, just pieces of lumber put together and they've got to get it all, all off a container by hand, you know? And so we're putting it on there with forklifts. Oh, so yeah. they'll take it all off and, and they'll just find the folks to do it and they'll probably hire them and, um, and get it taken care of. We're, we're obviously sending it early so that when we get there, everything's been received and in position, but uh, they'll have folks there take care of it. So yeah, it's a huge project. You ever run into any kind of a problems, or maybe one of the projects that is going on maybe kind of falls apart? Because I remember hearing must might have been an NPR, must have been because mostly what I listened to mm-hmm. down in the Dominican Republic, they're trying to build a school, and they only got it half built, and then something happens, and now they just have this concrete shell, sure. and then somebody else had to come in and finally finish the project, but you know they were like it took years to get it done. Uh, even after the like, what it was the uh, earthquake that did okay yeah so yeah we've had some issues in um, Niger Africa um, we have a partner over there who's been working on building um, some churches and some schools and he's actually had to move he was kind of centrally based in Ghana and so he's gone to Niger Burkina Faso so some different countries there um, and uh, there have been some uh, religious movements that have come through and actually um, wiped out some of the projects that he's been working on. And so, um, unfortunately, it wasn't like a natural disaster. They were, you know, burning the buildings and destroying them and trying to move him out of there. And so, yeah, we've had to just kind of move on from that location and go somewhere else. It is very disappointing. It is. It is. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of heart and effort going into that on his side, but there's also a lot of support on our end as well to try to make those things happen. And so, um, and, and, you know, you just don't know why sometimes it just maybe wasn't the right time or the right location. And, um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that unfortunately does happen. And I know, um, our partners our international partners are coming against issues and things that we can't imagine. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's just a totally different world. Really. Like you were saying, it's just a simple thing like getting power. Right. And it's, so yeah. they're always, having struggles and coming up against things, whether it's, you know, fake them issues with electricity. I know in Honduras, when they were just down there, they were, um, when our partner, our, uh, mission team was just down there. I, I think they had electricity for maybe one night, you know, that's it. They just oh, yeah, they yeah. shut the government, just shuts it off, you know? So they have to deal with that every day. And, um, and so there are always issues, always things. And a lot of times what we see is their perseverance is so great that they'll start a project. They may have a timeline that they hope to get it finished and it just goes way beyond that, but they'll finish it. They'll eventually get it done. But most of the projects get done. Most of them. Yeah. Yeah. We that's just cool. have a few issues. So what does the future hold for master provisions? Does it just keep doing what you're doing? And- the project, or there's other areas you want to kind of tap into, or other things you want to problems you want to tackle. I, again, I would love to um, tackle any pro- problem that would come our direction, anything that we would be able to have the resources for, um, you know. And as we see God kind of leading us into those spaces, I would. Um, 
you know, we've kind of kicked around, what does it look like to, so we have all these groups that come in, all these different organizations locally, they're coming in, they're grabbing food. And in some cases, uh, as we look at some of the produce specifically, we feel like they're missing some really great things. And so we start to ask questions and, you know, um, okay, well, we've got all this bok choy, say, right? So something that's a little different. They just don't know what to do with it, how to actually create a great meal around it. So I'd love to one day potentially get like an industrial kitchen, have an opportunity to train people how to cook with these different kind of oddities or maybe things that mm -hmm. might be a little strange and uh, create a really great meal. So I'd love to have some training in that area. And along with that, I'd love to create a space where um, people who would, be interested in learning how to cook. They can have a space within our warehouse to do that. Um, you know, get some chefs in there to take a look. I know there's there's great organizations around here that are doing things like that. Mm -hmm. I'd love to come alongside them and learn and see what that might look like for us. Um, so there's things like that. We're growing. I think, you know, sometime in the future, it'd be nice to maybe get a new space, a little bit bigger. I think with that, you know, that comes new opportunities as well. Um, we see a lot of organizations, um, they need they need cooler space or freezer space. So, you know, we've got a pretty good size cooler and freezer right now, and we're able to park skids of product in there. Um, I'd love to increase that, get a bigger space, have more opportunities. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, again, we, we try to uh, solve the problems as they come our way. So I think as we kind of move into the future, as new problems kind of enter our space we'd love to figure out how can we attack them i think maybe even one day to be in the disaster relief uh, arena you know i have no problem with that if we can handle it if we've got the infrastructure to do that we'd love to do that um, we want to continue to serve folks in covington and ludlow on the individual basis i think there's more needs i think there are more southern counties that we could possibly move into that um that we could provide a you know mobile food pantry once a month for those folks there's been some interest in that and again on our end it takes the resources it takes the right resource sometimes that's not necessarily the food we may have the food but we need people to get behind it sometimes we need financial resources sometimes it's you know equipment that we need um and so it you know look forward to those things i definitely do so we'll see if that happens okay and so if folks want to volunteer and or donate how do they get in touch with you the best way is our website, masterprovisions.org. We've got a great Facebook presence as well. All the information that they would need would be on either one of those spaces. Um, and uh, those are those are the easiest ones to get to. Um, so, yeah, and, and we like I said, we always need volunteers, always need help, uh, need more uh, resources as well, whether it's food, clothing, um, you know, I, maybe more concrete mixers. I don't know. There you <laughs> so. go. Yeah, good opportunity for the young people because I know my daughter, uh, both of them, you know, would have to do volunteer hours for right. high school. Right. And that helps towards their college yes. uh, um, credits. And yeah. Yeah, we're seeing that more and more, not just at the high school level. Uh, we're seeing actually middle schoolers now are required to get volunteer hours also. So we, again, we try to create space for those resources. So what we do, the, um, f let's see, the first Tuesday and the third Tuesday of every month, the last part of the day from, let's see, three to five, we invite any student that would like to come and volunteer. We just get all those students together in one room. It's 
talk about hilarious. Imagine a bunch of high school students coming to a parking lot that's very limited, all driving in there, all learning how to drive at the same time. It's, it's again, controlled cast, but we get them all in and they will do a project for us to help with those hours. Um, Cause that's, they, yeah, like you said, some folks require to graduate with those hours. Um, some folks are trying to get it for different clubs that they're in. And so we want to try to provide that space. So that's a great opportunity for students. Great. Yeah. Um, well, the old expression is you're doing God's work, but you really are. Yeah. Yeah, we are. I mean, it's really amazing uh, to see. And, and, and for us, we're just showing up. We're showing up. We're letting God do his thing. And we're trying to do our best to uh, to be there, to, to kind of be his hands, his feet, find things, hands and feet and find where those things need to go. So. Second one owner, Darren, says that, uh, you know, they started this T-shirt business. And uh, he's full-time in it. The other owner, Josh, is in it, too, but he also tours as a stand-up comedian, as most folks know, listen to the podcast. But Darren's like, yeah, we just got up one day and made T-shirts and just kept getting up and making T-shirts, and yeah. look where it goes. And yeah, it grows, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it so absolutely grows. And, and that's really what happened with Master Provisions. It started in a garage, started with an idea, and it just started to grow, continued to grow. It's growing. It's, it's, it hasn't stopped since. And uh, so... We'll see where that where God leads us in that, you know, as we as we continue to grow. So. Well, now comes the fun part. As yes. you know, if you listen to the show before, you get to pick a coupon code so folks can get 20% off uh, their uh, either cincyshirts.com, oldschoolshirts.com, or they can come into the stores in Loveland, Hyde Park, and over the Rhine and say the code and get 20% off for the week that the podcast is up. So what would you like that code to be? Can we just do MP26? MP26. I don't think we've used that one before. There we go. All right. We've run into a couple that have been repeated, <laughs> so I've had to like go back and tell people, oh, wait, we have to put a dash in there now so we can keep it. Yeah, right. But I think MP26 has not been taken. Great. So great. we'll definitely do that. And uh, thanks for coming and making the trip all the way up here to Hyde Park oh, from, yeah. from Northern yeah. Kentucky. And uh, folks, go out and uh, check out the website and the Facebook page and go out and uh, help and do some good. Come get involved. If you got a problem, don't care what it is. You need a hand, I can assure you this I can help I got two strong arms, I can help It would sure do me good To do you good, let me help Guy Domek, interesting stuff, right? People usually think of disaster relief with such organizations, but folks all over the world are facing various challenges every day, and groups like Master Provisions help them get it all sorted. And again, you can find them at masterprovisions.org. They're all over the uh, the social media and so forth, and if you want to volunteer or drop stuff off, just go to the website, and uh, you can find out how to get all that done. If there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com, put podcast guest in the subject line, maybe include a little brief one or two sentences of why you think they'd be a good guest for the show, and then we'll try to track them down. You can use that same email to donate to the podcast via PayPal or Venmo. Again, just chip in whatever you feel is fair. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. And if you haven't already, check out those Cincy Shirts podcast archives, of course. 108 episodes back there now. Uh, every one of them, great. You'll dig them all, I guarantee. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find all of their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find midget tees from places like Boston, in Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Lots of defunct sports teams, um, shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations. Uh, there's a selection of video games. Uh, there's some wrestling stuff on there. Uh, we now have a collection of uh, licensed MLS uh, player stuff that you will really dig. So if you're uh, if you're a fan of any of the MLS teams from various towns, you can find all kinds of cool stuff there now. So do check it out. And you can use the promo code there. Yes, use the promo code on OldSchoolShirts.com or CincyShirts.com 
This week's promo code is MP26, all lowercase, all uppercase, either works, there's no dash. Uh, just use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or if you live in Cincinnati, you can come into the stores, our uh, brick and mortar stores, as we say, and over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and Loveland, and say MP26. Say, hey, that's the promo code for the podcast I heard this week, and then we'll give you 20% off your order. How about that? Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye.